This is JU Israel Teachers Lounge, where we reach out to current Gap Year students, alumni, and any interested listeners, keeping you connected to what's happening in Israel and giving you insight behind the headlines. I am your host, Senior Israel Educator Michael Unterberg, and today, joined as always by co-host and director of JU Israel, Alan Goldman. How are you, Alan? Happy Gregorian New Year, Mike. (laughs) I guess. And today, we are also joined by Israel educator and producer, Matt Lippman. How are you, Matt? I'm very well, thank you, Mike. No Gregorian well wishes from you? Happy, merry, wonderful, enjoyable New Year to you, Michael. Yeah, we are recording on January 1st, but you will not be listening to this on January 1st. So uh, 2019 promises to be interesting here in Israel because we are gearing up for elections. Last week, that was already a big news story in Israel, but we were interviewing Natan Sharansky, which we hope you listen to. Uh, But this week, we wanted to give you sort of a sense of what's going on. This podcast is all about keeping you connected to what's going on in Israel, a feel for what Israelis are talking about. This is what Israelis are talking about. Now, we'll get to that in a second. We should mention that Amos Oz, who plays a sort of monumental role in Israeli arts and literature passed away last week. So. And politics. politics. Well, he, he helped create a piece now. He was the yeah. founder of Peace Now. Yeah, a very, a very uh powerful proponent for Israel's left, who, you know, which is not a politically powerful part of Israeli politics, which was way too much alliteration for one sentence <laughs> and will be the topic that we'll get to in a minute. But um but his sort of his writing is known for giving a window into an older Israeli world, the, like the founders' world, more or less, which he was a child during. But he reflects back on what that generation of Israelis' lives were like, and it's uh, so it's a it's a it's a real changing of the guard moment for him to pass away culturally for Israelis. I think it's also like interesting that what you were talking about his political activism and founding peace. Now, the thing that I think most people would identify him now with in his later years was his uh, writings against the occupation as he saw it. And he, he said he was, people present him almost as like as a prophet of doom, that he said at the very beginning of the settlement enterprise, that if we continue like this, we're going to get to an irreversible situation. Um, and now that we've got the elections, and we'll talk about soon some of the, the parties across the spectrum, and some are entrenched in that idea of the settlement enterprise. It, it, it's interesting. that in, And entrenched in the other idea too, that it's going to bring us doom. Yes. Um, so he, he was the one that w- he was like almost like an unofficial spokesperson for, for that, I would say. Do you think that's how most people think of him? I think most people think about him for his... Do you think most people think about him as a political uh, uh, voice or a literary voice? I think both. But I think, I mean, if you ask Israelis of, our, of my generation... Right. Um, Not I, ours. <laughs> you said that. Rub it in. Um, I don't know how many like read or have read the sort of B.E. on his books. Sure, they have to do them for the Bagra and things like that. But in terms of really afterwards wanting to, oh, mm. today I'm going to find the latest Amos's book. I, I don't think so. Because you're saying it's like old school stuff. Yeah. But people know him for his political. That's what he appears in newspapers. Yeah. About. Yeah. Op-eds, blog, you know, that sort of uh, thing. All right. Maybe we should find a guest who, I don't know, who's an expert who can help us. I think that'd be a great idea. Unpack his legacy for yeah. a future episode. If I think any maybe Amos, we'll do it for the Shloshim. If there's any Amos for the thirtieth day, uh, yeah, right. If there's any Amos Oz experts out there that would like to join us, please be in touch. Who listen to this podcast? <laughs> please be in touch. Uh, no, I think I think uh, I think we're going to touch on a lot of topics that in the future we may need to unpack. This today is just going to be sort of a survey of the big topics. 
and we may want to do we'll t- we'll discuss how to do deeper dives and of course we're always interested in your questions of what you would like us to follow up on to explain more clearly so let's start with what does that mean that the government collapsed and we need to have new elections I always see my like students that like their face goes like white. What does that mean? The government fell. Well, one of my students said to me, "Is that is this like all over? Is it like uh, doomsday?" Bum bum bum. You have to go home, guys. Israel is done. Uh, (laughs) Stick a fork in it. No, one of my students said to me, "Wow, I can't believe that the American government is shut down and the Israeli government shut down." (laughs) I was like. It's very different sort concepts. Sort of. Very, very different right. concepts. Right. Like in America right now, the government's not, the federal government stopped paying all of its bills. Right. It stopped. Uh, it's an economic thing. Like it a quarter do with the budget. of its budget. Here in Israel, it's a different it's issue. It's a political. It's a political issue. It's a political issue. So let's see if we can do this. We, we aren't going to do a full dive into the Israeli electoral system, which is arcane to people who aren't used to it. It's certainly... Uh, unintuitive to Americans who live in a two-party system. If you live in a parliamentary system, it's not so crazy. It's just its weird flavor of, of a more normal thing. And basically, let's, let's lay it out like this. And you guys can jump in if you think I'm not doing a good job. The Knesset is Israel's parliament. It has 120 seats. Israelis vote for parties. The more votes a party gets, the more seats they get in the Knesset. Right. So far, so good. So, so good. Far, I just so say, good. stress that voting for parties means that you do not vote for uh, a direct representative. Correct. The party has, let's say, 70 people on a list. 120. If, all have to have 120 on the so list. In case they and just all. get all 120. Yeah. Uh, let's say they get eight seats. So the first eight names on that list now sit on in the, in the Knesset, which is, mm-hmm. the Knesset is essentially the legislature. They make the laws for the state of Israel. You now have, uh, uh, once you fill up all those seats, all the different parties, and there's many, that makes the Israeli legislature. What is the Israeli executive? Is whoever has the majority, meaning 61 seats or more of the Knesset. No party has ever gotten 61 seats or more. And so what ends up happening is the president, one of their, you know, we always say the president in Israel is a symbolic position, but one of their actual political jobs, which is also sort of symbolic, because usually they just pick whoever got the most seats. Is, uh, but not always. But not always, is to pick the party that is most likely able to build a coalition of different parties to get to 61 seats. That's really hard to do audibly without drawing it on the board. I'm, right. I'm, as a teacher, I'm like, oh, I need my board. I will say this, what you need to understand is, the way Israel politics works is, there's a big mama party, it gets a bunch of little satellite parties to join and they make the over 61 seat executive government of Israel. And and um, two, so two things I'll add. Mm-hmm. So in the last, I don't know, I would add say- Add or clarify if I didn't, uh, yeah. Yeah, 10 to 20 years, I don't think a party's gotten much more, one party's gotten much more than 30. That seems um, to be the ceiling seats, of late. Which means that That's, they can only fill half the seats. So they have to go to lots of other parties to get up over the over the bridge of 60. One, the second thing is that um, the executive, meaning the prime minister and the cabinet ministers, are almost always all of them Knesset members also. So right. it's not a separate from the legislature. They are part of it. It does happen on occasion that there are some cabinet ministers that could be appointed from outside the legislature, but the prime minister certainly and almost and the majority of them. 
Well, think about it. If you're if you're in that, let's say you're you're, and and I think it's fair to say that Likud once again will get somewhere around high twenties, thirty seats, something like that. They will get the plurality, and Likud and and Netanyahu will be given. The president will choose them to form a coalition. So Bibi wants, like I say, a ten. Let's say there's a party with ten seats that would bring him up to forty. The party with ten seats says, "Well, okay, make me defense minister." And then the party with five seats says, "Okay, make me education minister." And then the party with six seats says, "Make me education minister." So now, par- part of giving out the cabinet is the wheeling and dealing to get. And that. that's when the horse trading starts. Exactly. That's when the horse trading. Starts. So there's two parts of that horse trading. One is that the other is ideals that they got voted in for, so that the government, these different parties together, that's forming the coalition, will write up a uh, a party platform agreement in terms of what they want to accomplish. That and then they all have to sign it. So that they're theoretically all on the same page of the different things that their government is going to do and uh, during their uh, term, and which also, is supposed to last four years, but rarely does it. Right, but it's also These, worth, yeah, yeah, for a long time. It's now, also it's worth noting though that you very often have groups um, who come together in the coalition based on one ideological uh, commonality, mm-hmm. but all the other things they might have serious disagreements about, and that's when you get into the problems of a coalition maybe not lasting the distance because. They might have signed the agreement Alan was referring to that they agreed on X and Y policy, but when it comes to policy Z, oh, they're completely on opposite. Well, I always picture sort of the growth of parties like Lava Lamp, like the bubble will be big, get bigger and encompass, or then it'll separate, and so you have all these joining together or separating based on all sorts of complicated issues. It is horse training. If you like politics, it's super interesting. It's great to follow. And and what is interesting is how these things will shake out, who will get how many seats and how will they fit into the coalition. Or remember, there's a minority now of parties that are not in the government, but they are in the legislature, and that will be the opposition. And they have to represent a different set of ideas to the Israeli people. We, we've been talking over the last several, I mean, for quite a while about threats to having the government fall apart. Uh, when Yisrael Beitenu left, was Bennett going to leave? And what ended up happening was, and and it, man, we were talking about Bibi being a magician. The government has agreed to, because we said that Bibi wanted the government to shut down, but didn't want to take credit for it. And so somehow the announcement was that the coalition has agreed to disband the government to call for early elections. How did he do that? What does it mean the government agreed? He's the leader of the government. It's also interesting because if you remember, um, you were referencing Naftali Bennett from the Bayhudi previously from the Bayhudi party. We'll get to that later. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was told by uh, Benjamin Netanyahu a few weeks ago, "Don't quit the government. There's serious security right. things. You don't know what's going on. I'm now going to tell you those security concerns, and therefore it's very, very important." That the coalition stays intact. And even though I will not give you the defense ministry, you have to stay in for the good of the nation. Great. Masterstroke number one. What happens five weeks later? Suddenly, oh, now it's okay for the government to disband. Well, Matt, there's no more security issues. Well, because it suits Bibi Netanyahu that there's no more security. No, I assume all the security issues are resolved by now, no? And Santa Claus is coming through the the chimney right now. Yes. I'm the gullible voter. No, but but nobody's even talking about like that. Like what you're pointing out is so, like BB just, I don't know how he does it. He bends things to his will. It's what you call the the Jedi uh, master, right? He is, he is, yeah. He's the, the Jedi political master. He's so good at this, even though that's sometimes <laughs> kind of creepy. Now, I think that's that gives you a sense of what what is what we talk about when we talk about Israeli elections and just very simply and generally 
how they work. It's the horse trading of how who's going to have how many seats in for their parties in the Knesset, and then how will those shape up to make a government or not? Who will BB bring in? I just and, want to add one other thing, sorry to say, is we know of normally in the Knesset there's a number of, of parties, um, but what people have to understand is on the slate to get elected, there's sometimes like 30 or 40 parties. Yeah. Now, most of those parties obviously do not get a seat in the Knesset, but it's just worth because they didn't get enough votes. Because they didn't get enough votes, but it, and we'll talk about the uh, the, the, threshold. the threshold as well. But it's worth pointing out that because of the way Israeli society is constructed, I don't know if constructed is the right word, but the way Israeli society is, is made up, there's niche groups for everybody, right? So even if they don't all make it into the Knesset, there's so many like very small splinter parties based on very uh, my ni- favorite niche combo of two niche parties. And neither of them were making it to the Knesset, so they joined together to make one bigger party, and they still didn't make it to Knesset, was the pot party, the party about legalizing pot. That's their niche issue. And the retiree party. Mm-hmm. So it was pot and pensioners <laughs> joined together to make one pension, you know, retired pot smoker party, and Sounds it awesome. still didn't. On the other hand, they're actually, one of the only, but they didn't get it into the Knesset, but they actually got part of their platform passed through with medical marijuana. Yeah, being approved in this country, so oh, and 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 pot was decriminalized. Yeah, which may also be why you know they're not a super attractive party because this is something that other parties are going to work on. Oops, it's going around the world. <laughs> Alan today very angry at the microphone. That's yes. the second time you potched it. I know. By the way, I totally uh, no, I can't say that even as a joke. I totally blame the microphone. I can't even make that joke. That's not funny. Uh, so let's get into some of that. That's generally when we talk about elections, that's what we talk about. Now, and again, we're just doing a very superficial, what are the big stories in this year's coalition shakeups that is uh, that are fascinating Israelis who care about politics that are making headlines? Who are the names that our listeners will see in the headlines? A little background so that when you see the headline, you can read the story and have a sense of who we're talking about when we talk about right. Gantz or, or Bennett or... Before we get to names, I also just want to point something else out. I hope that's okay. Uh-huh. Is sure. That in, in, in the last weeks, right? So we were told uh, on Monday, I believe, is when they announced there were going to be elections. So they were Tuesday. That's a week. In the space of a week, I think there's been three or four um, shocking, break breaking, headline-making events surrounding parties. Yeah, it's really I, good. That, that, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, if you enjoy a drama or enjoy a soap I opera, I mean... And I do. This is amazing. Like we're having, and, we'll, and Michael will now go into details, but we're talking about these events of these parties, like groundbreaking seismic shocks well, to the system. Well, remember, we have three months now, so there's also yeah. certain points that they have to reach. In other words, parties have to register. Right. Some parties have to have primaries. So you have a lot of, you have a lot of shifting now, and then it'll calm down as they go into the primary and register. Now we have system. to be careful. Now for me, yeah. I follow politics the way other people follow sports. So it's to me, this sort of, the details are interesting, which we're not going to go into. But I will say this, as a, as a citizen of the United States of America, they are already talking about who's going to be running for president in 2020. Right. That's crazy that is stretching it out no offense matt but that's like british football to me like i can't watch a game like that that's just going on forever and I when you're gonna come happening. watch a game of cricket with me that last five days oh gosh <laughs> no but really it's like yeah that's exactly right it's like oh i can't believe but here we're gonna have three intense months right. of like this crazy chaos going on now i will say this by the way my my daughter uh gave me a hard time because i was just talking about how 
Well, obviously, we all know Likud is the big kid around the block, right? That's going to have like 30 seats and they're going to have control. I, I, I wouldn't commit to anything. So that's what my daughter said. She said, don't talk like that. First of all, how do you know? I thought that was a good point one. Right. And point two was, it's only that way if it is that way because we all say that. Right. But if we stop talking that way, then they lose their magical... And a lot could happen between them. Yeah. Maybe Netanyahu can be indicted. That could have effects. There's all kinds of things that could happen. Well, I, right. I, I, would, I would lay out that there's a general rule in Israeli politics as we start to get into a little bit of this, fleshing out who the players are, is that generals, and particularly ex-chief of staffs, ex-chiefs of staff, chiefs of staff Right, it's right, think, yeah. right. Chiefs of staff, no chief of staffs. That would be wrong. Yeah, um, are are huge players in Israeli political system, as they used and, to be in yeah. in the states. Yeah. And right now we have three vying into this into this um, political season of three ex chiefs of staff who are going to play, who are, are starting already to play, and will play an interesting role in the politics. Go, um, and they are. I will say that you have to have a cooling off period of three years. So. All the three years. One is why is that cooling off period? Uh, to separate between the military and the it's part of the uh, it's, politics. It's, it's, it's part of the norms. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a democratic norm that you want to keep the military separate from politics, right? And you want to have civilian control of the military, and you want to keep a firewall between those institutions, right? And so the civilians, the civilian leadership is supposed to set the goals, and the military is supposed to um, execute. Ex execute those goals. And so you want to keep that. So separate. that three-year cooling off is so that your military career is legitimately separate from your political career, right? So now we have our old-time favorite, who the name is being thrown around a lot, and especially what's with happening in, in labor, their sort of changes, is Ehud Barak, who has been already prime minister. He's the prime minister who um, withdrew from Lebanon, uh, an ex-chief of staff, and the most decorated soldier in Israeli history, and who was, and BB's and was also BB's, BB's commander in the Matkal, in the, in the general reconnaissance, the chief of staff reconnaissance unit. Number two is um, Bugi Yalon, who was the defense minister and got ousted a few months ago, um, who was also the defense minister during um, the last Gaza, whatever it was called, um, operation. I can't keep them straight. Uh, and he was a chief of staff. 2014. He was a chief of staff in 2000 and, um, and 2005 when Israel withdrew from Gaza and he... he he stepped down from being chief of staff. Uh, not chief of staff. He was, yeah, he stepped down yeah, from chief being chief of staff, of staff um, because he was not. He was against the withdrawal from Gaza. He is going to be a major player in his politics. And then the most recent one is his three-year cooling period just um, ended. He was fresh, the chief of staff fresh off the during period. the last Gaza um, uh, operation when Bouyalon was the. The defense minister and his name is Benny Gantz, and he's now the dark horse. He's the one who's everybody's talking about looking at, and uh, there's big talk about. Well, Bugia what do you alone, mean dark horse? Do you Bugia mean wild alone. card? Yeah, like the, the one coming up from the back, who's now. Yeah, like, I would say the wild card. That's the probably closer because dark, dark horse. I know, but dark horse in English, I think, has a negative connotation. Uh, maybe no, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't hear that's what they call him. To me, I think of him. I think the better English term would be wild card. In other words, he's he's coming in fresh off. We don't know what he thinks politically because as a, as a person in the military, he's has not expressed clear. But well, he's somebody with the type of impeccable – he has a combination of impeccable uh, military credentials, so security credentials, but no clear political background for anyone to be angry at him for. 
So oh, the, really, I, I I think that's what makes him. So the big talk now is that Boogie Yalone and Benny Gantz are going to form their own party of a centrist security focused party, sort of center right, and they are naming uh, that party. And he, I mean, we do know what he. I mean, he does have. I mean, he's been around for three years and he's been you know writing and this and those. But um, right, but what does he think about you know, how to fix education, education reform? Yeah, what does, does he think? Him. What does he right. think about? No, he has. He has to go now to start digging down in his right. stuff, but it, it is there. You just have to. He has to start really articulating. Yeah. And so, so, and what that party is called? They don't, oh, it has no name yet. I mean, they, they Benny, Benny Gantz registered his party. Yeah. Oh, right. It's like Jewish. Resilient uh, Israel. Resilient Israel or something, which to me, I don't know who comes up with these names, but. Yeah. Certainly they weren't talking to anybody. In the marketing world? In the, market, in the English speaking market. Maybe, maybe in Hebrew. Even like, in Hebrew, Chosem. Yeah, Chosem. It sounds, yeah, it just doesn't sound good. But anyway, that's his party. Maybe now that him and Boogie Ailana... Um, They're well, talking. They, we don't know things... Everybody's been exactly. waiting for Gantz to come out of the, you know, to, 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 to come out into the world of politics. And so all the talk was, as I understood it, was here's somebody, Israelis who vote for Bibi but don't like Bibi, vote because they say they don't know what the alternative is. Here we will present an alternative, a person with impeccable security credentials that they can say... We don't like Bibi, but we're voting for him because we think he'll keep us safe. So, okay. So now, interestingly, so far in polls, without getting too into the polls, Gantz is like one of the top, he's one of the top people polling. He's at like 15, but there's, they don't seem to be coming from Likud and Bibi. They seem to be coming from the other parties. Right, the center. So he's providing, right, another breakaway center party that to challenge, so it's another fragmentation within the center. Well, the center's getting very crowded now because there's like center, center, center left, center right, center, center left, center, center right. Don't forget center, 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 center. <laughs> That's it. Is, it's yeah. a bit like the Monty Python speech, uh, yeah. sketch with the People's Front of Judea, the Judean People's Front. Like, yeah. what is separating these central parties? And obviously, you can make a difference between what's ex- separating the far right from the far, far left, for example. Um, and even within the Haredi parties, there's ethnic differences and there's ideological differences but within these central parties it's very hard now to begin to pick apart what's separating them and why would you vote for one over another yeah so sometimes what happens is that the um number two or three parties will join together and form a block so that's what happens when you talked in the last election with labor and hatnua and they formed the um zionist Union. 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 Union party. And now they've now just this morning separated. Apart. But I think the Separated or divorced. the head of Tunua just yeah. got canned by the head of labor. Yeah, well, that Zippy can't because... got fired without being told beforehand. Not she fired. Was, she can't be fired because she was... No, but Gabay is... Says we're separating off we're the list. Yeah. Yeah. She, she was stood up at the altar. So in yeah. the... So, yeah. Well, no, they had actually... No, no, they've been married for a while. They it, ran the last in election. Israel, had, in Israel, in the news this morning, in the talk shows, Israel, they had a nice... Uh, no, she was thrown out of the plane. Well, I'll still fly. Okay, right. Nice. Um, <laughs> right. There you go. But the reason is, is because uh, the head of the party, Gabay, is threatened by her because she's much more popular and um, was afraid that... He's done a bang-up job, so. by the way. He's taken labor from getting like 15 seats to now in the polls getting like... Eight or yeah. so. So that's... He blames it. Leave me, but whatever it is, it, you know, the, the the point is, is that everybody's now shifting. So that everybody's now looking for their new partners, how they can get those. So it's that weird cellular combination yeah. and mito- separation and... Right. Well, so so what's going to happen Hold on, but center? you didn't get... What about Barack? So Ehud Barak. So that's the question. Is Ehud, Ehud Barak Ehud Barak now going to come into labor now that Sipi Livni's gone? 
and become come back into labor as or is the he going to join the, is he going to join the other generals that's fairly unclear because they're more much more right than he is yeah but again um, you know what be, look a guy previously offered Gans, if you come into politics you can be head of labor i'll step down and give you the head of the party uh, like like there's so much crazy horse trading yeah and that, the other thing that we've neglected to mention so far is some of the parties even before the election they make public statements that they they refuse to sit with party X in a coalition. So they already put themselves in that position. They, well, it is a Jewish government, or, so there or, has to be the, the synagogue that I don't go to. Or, or, or the opposite. Member, yeah. or the opposite, and that's what hurt, hurt some parties. Last one is that they're going to go with this party. So they say they pledge allegiance, so people say, okay, why am I voting for you? If you're, right. I'll just vote exactly. for that party. Right. Exactly. That's what happened to the religious Zionist party, which is also now falling apart. Well, the the top two of the religious Zionist party called the Bayou Day, the Jewish home are step uh, so Naftali Bennett and uh, Ayelet uh, Shaked. Shaked are stepping away to make another party but this one a right wing one a right wing secular religious party yeah. combined secular religion. They're, they're trying to make they're trying to do two things I think number one is to move further to the right than Likud to distinguish themselves from, from Likud in that right wing well, they're calling their party the new right-wing party. So they've done, they've done a good job of their marketing people. <laughs> at least got the names. Somewhere. Nothing ambiguous in the name. Even of though what's their name? Uh, Yamina Hadash, right. the new right. Which to a not bad a sensitive yeah. ear coming from a a liberal democracy doesn't exactly sound great, but okay, just say <laughs> that. So they they're trying to make themselves further to the right than they could in that. You sense. know what your problem is, Matt? You don't like fascism. That's your problem. <laughs> Guy, you, of all the things people say about me, you know. Yeah. That's probably one of the nicest. Yeah. Um, and then, in addition to that, what they're trying to do is, why did they break away from the Jewish home? Is because they felt that the religious aspect of the Jewish home party was too strong, in the sense that it was narrow. It was They have a spiritual rabbinic leader, uh, Rabbi Druckmann, and they wanted to get away from that influence. And I think ultimately, I don't think you have to be a genius to figure out that ultimately Naftali Bennett's aim and his ambition is to be prime minister of the state of Israel. And while he's restricting himself to a narrow voter base, which is based on religious people who are, who are right-wing, he's not going to achieve that. So this way, by trying to amount, become across much more as open to peoples of, people of all religious convictions, which is why, again, when he joined by UD, he brought in a secular mm -hmm. woman as his number two, um, that he's trying to broaden that base as much as he can to make a move for the premiership at some point. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I, 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 but that political move of putting yourself in line to be the next prime minister doesn't seem to work well. No, it I doesn't. don't think it's working well we for Lapid. I don't ago. think it's working well for Bennett. We talked about this a few weeks ago, and you and I have had this conversation outside of the studio many times. And you say, he I know. I try not to talk to you out of the studio. But you keep following <laughs> me around. What is that? And you say. He's just not politically savvy in the way that Bibi Netanyahu is. And I, th I think yeah, maybe I, that's right. I, I don't yeah. think he's politically savvy in the way anybody is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I yeah. Mean, I mean, no offense. <laughs> and, 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 you know, and if you're a Bennett voter or supporter, I just don't know that he's got Or it. if you're Naftali Bennett and you happen to be listening to our show. Sorry, yeah. Naf. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, these parties don't generally do well. So it's hard to see, you know, in his well, it's politics. it's a funny thing. There's... You know, someone like Yair Lapid had some success coming on again. He was that wild card a couple of years ago. He came ago. in as a wild card. He came in as a wild card, but he had tremendous exposure um, oh, yeah. as a media personality. Uh, so uh, someone who, like Naftali Bennett, whose really only exposure is as in these deep politics, 
it, to create another party doesn't usually seem to to give you much strength. Well, I think that's partially why people vote for you know. I think one of the reasons Likud does garner so such a such a strong holding is Israelis get a little cynical about these mutating, growing, shrinking parties. Now it's funny because yeah, exactly. in the seventies Likud was formed from Likud is also was also one of these hybrids, but it's been stable Labor since also the seventies. Hybrid from Nahon, the old right, right, party, ma, 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 yeah. So these things, but those things happened forty, fifty, sixty years ago, and now they're pretty stable. And there is something, I think, in the Israeli electorate, a tendency to want to vote for, at least for many. Uh, right, but also the fact that they're so established gives them infrastructure, which many right. of the other parties don't have. Exactly. And it also gives them name recognition. I yep. mean, we're joking about some of these stupid, I hate using that word, but some of these stupid names that the parties are coming up with. But you're a recognized brand. Yep. If you're liquid, you're the Coca-Cola of Israeli politics. Everyone knows who you are. Well, they say, why are you throwing your vote away voting for something that's this un- insubstantial? Mm-hmm. And this, you know, so then my daughter's voice, Avigal, comes back in my head and says, it's only insubstantial if you say that. It's, perception is reality in politics. Right. So that's what these smaller parties that are popping up say. They say, well, we're, you know, we want to be 40, 50, 60 years from now. We want to be the establishment. But that'll only work if people cohere behind us. But it's hard. And I, I'll tell you the guy to look for. And this is just, you know, me. Alan me. is now putting forward his candidacy. For no, just someone who I think is a good, pol- has a good pol- political mind and is doing it right is near Barakat. Yeah. He stepped away from the, to be mayor, mayor of Jerusalem. And you'll see him, watch him in this election because he wants to make his way through the Likud. I, Likud. And I think he's playing a longer game. Yes, he's game. playing the long game. Then. And I think You that's... think he'll try and get on the list this time around as well? Yeah. Is he? I think so. I think he'll try. He's at the run in the primaries. Yeah. But uh, I think he will try and because I think he does want to replace. He does himself as the Eventually by working through the established the, the party. system. Exactly. Slow, Proving himself in Jerusalem. Sure. Right. Kind of like what Ehud Omar, Omar, Omar did that. You know, right. But hopefully with less bribery. Okay. Exactly. I mean. Oh, come on. A little bit of bribery never hurt anybody. No. <laughs> No, I don't think he has. It hurt Omar. <laughs> yeah, he went to jail. Look, he went the same path, mayor of Jerusalem, yeah. and then to higher exactly. up, up, up Likud until he took right. over. But, but again, it, it's joining into those established parties. It's becoming part of that hierarchy as opposed to saying, oh, I'm just going right. to form my own party. That's my point, right? Right. Yeah. No, I'm agreeing with you. Well, and this is part of the tension of these middle, these center parties that we're talking about, that there's so many of them that like, well, if you join together, you've got more seats than anybody. You've already got like 45 seats. If these yeah. center parties could figure out a way to work together as one block, um, but they can't, and I'm not exactly sure. Well, part of it's ego, right? If you think about how some of these parties part are of formed, it. and yeah. they're formed officially as uh, like Yael Lapid's party, right? Is Yael, is the Yeshatid party under the leadership of Yael Lapid. Right. So suddenly he says, I'm going to join with another party. He may not be known now as the as under the leadership well, he, of it, right? So I mean, he's he generally he they also say reached out to Gantz. He he reached Gantz to join his party, to but not join as his a separate party, party, but not not as a separate right. party and not yeah. as the leader of the party, right? And the Lapid does not have primaries. He sets the list for now. Although the the way the way you how how is the list formed of each individual party? There's no rule for that. So what most parties do is members of the party vote, and however many votes you get, that's where you go on that list. Yeah, I don't think that that's necessarily the most. There's the big parties, Likud and Labor. Yeah. But when you get to all those little parties, first of all, the religious parties have their Whatever. rabbinic scholars. Yeah. Um, uh, so I think a lot of parties don't have primaries. It's really, I don't know if it's... Well, the, well, the problem that Yish Atid has is they feel that what happens because of the primaries is that the members, 
wheel and deal to get higher up in the list. Their campaign, right. instead of working on the government, on the national problems, they end up campaigning for who can be higher on the list yeah. and it distracts them. So they want to figure out a way to do, they like the idea of primaries, but they can't figure out a way to do it that doesn't lead to everybody wasting their time throwing parties for... Which means that touring, the, even when they're Knesset members, are always running. Yeah, they're saying. always running. And, and so... It's listen. It it is. It's very complicated. And the other issue that I think is worth mentioning as we sort of wrap up is that that you have to get. You know, if you divide the electorate, you know, by 120, that's how many votes it takes to get a seat. But a few years ago, they passed a rule that that's not enough. If you get one seat, you don't get a seat in the Knesset. You have to get between four and five seats. It's like 3.25 percent. And so that's partially why you had a big coming together of different parties, some of the religious parties, the Arab parties. Uh, I think that's part of why Labor and Hatanua came together, so that they would have a big enough. And now there's a movement to reduce that. To 2%. To 2%. So you would have to have, I guess, around two to three seats. Yeah, I don't know if that's Did they pass that or... They did not. It was in discussion. Let's it's still in discussion. It's it's weird to people. Wait, the government has disbanded, and how are they working on rules now? So that's rules that will benefit their le- their leaders, <laughs> right? But the Knesset's still functioning. So yeah. they're so and the they, government's still functioning, not just the Knesset, the executive too. Right, the executive right. still functions. It's functioning until the new government takes hold, which will be up to forty days after the election. So it's complicated, and that's going to affect the math. Are you going to have, you know, are more parties going to stay together or grow apart? You have you have shifts already in in certain religious parties, you have in, in in secular parties, in Arab parties. All of this will be affected by how that rule goes in it, the long run, right? Because by lowering that threshold, you can have smaller, more splintery parties that focus on different issues more in, in that way. So. I guess we will have to see what we'll have to see. There. It makes if if you if you develop a taste for this out of curiosity, it's just a fascinating endless series of. It really is. It's it's just it's it's riveting and it's addictive. <laughs> it is, and I will say I will I will throw out to you. We are going to sit down and work out as we have the next three months. This issue is going to come up. How do we lay these issues out for you in a way that? keeps you in touch with what's going on, but we also don't want to bore you or get too inside baseball uh, to be confusing us. So we're, we're going to sit down and plan out how do we want to deal with some of these topics as we go forward before uh, the elections themselves, but we'd love to hear impa- uh, input from you. What questions would you like us to address? Do you want to understand how the parliamentary system works better? Do you want to understand specific issues facing Israel and the electorate? Do you want to know more about different parties and, and or personalities? Uh, we'll obviously factor in your feedback, and we would love to hear it. But for today, that is our very sort of superficial surface. Where are we? What are Israelis all talking about? What's got us all excited? If you care about politics, which most of us do, and I do think Israelis care more about politics. Uh, more, more, the, the voting turnout rate is higher in Israel. Israelis do get excited about the, this. The stuff. other thing, just in terms of what you're saying there, is <clears throat> my students were asking me when we were talking about the elections, they said, so are you allowed to tell us who you vote for? Mm. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, I started laughing. I said, guys, this is Israel. Whether you want me to tell you or not, I'm probably going <laughs> to volunteer the information. Next time you get in a cab, next time you go to the Macaulay, whatever it is, everybody's going to tell you who they, yeah. either who they're planning to vote for or who they're, or who they're definitely not going to vote for. So it's completely different to America. But well, like, I do think that a future episode, we should talk about the the issue of teachers 
expressing opinions in the classroom. How does that work? Mm-hmm. Because great... to pretend I don't have an opinion may be a problem, but I don't want to teach to an opinion to indoctrinate yeah. students to my opinion. So how do you balance that? That would be a great episode. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So stay tuned for this very exciting point in Israeli history. And uh, we will sort of do our part helping you understand and wrap your head around it as we move forward into hopefully better days, but certainly more exciting days. Uh, so thank you so much, guys. Thank you, Alan. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Mike. Thank, thank you, you Ben, yeah. for engineering us through, whether in studio or out studio. Ben's the man. Uh, and thank you, listeners, so much. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Uh, this is the part where I remind you that we are the JU Israel Teacher's Lounge podcast. And it's also the part where I ask you to subscribe, to rate and review us, and to share and recommend us in any way you can. Also, we'd love your feedback so we can respond to you on or off the podcast. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Thanks.